Thanks for tuning in to Spraymakers, the podcast where Rossi and Trent dive deep into the world of water skiing. There's nothing worse than skiing a turn into slack rope. Learn what causes it, how to prevent it, and the most ideal way to ski yourself out of that dreaded situation. I'll just strip it down and just address this one specifically because like, you know, like we've said over and over repeatedly, it's it, it, like so many other aspects of slalom, it's really m- misdiagnosed, right? I mean, oh. it's easily recognizable. You're like, why'd you fall? Because I had slack. And you're like, well, why'd you have slack? And what, what do you, what's your, what's the number one answer you hear when you ask someone, why did you have slack at that turn? Or is it one that what, stands out for you? Why did why they got it? Or why did why do most people think they get slack? Or is there is there is there like a common answer you get when you ask someone why they had loose line? Uh, poor direction into the buoy. How's that? Well, yeah, and that's the but that's the correct. That's my answer. answer. That's, no, that's my the answer. correct answer. Right. Yeah. What, what do and, you What do you hear? I mean, well, so I just the, hear, well, I slack and I crash. What What yeah, happened? So I don't to, know. The one I hear over and over and over. Why did Why did you lose the rope at two ball because I was going too fast and, and it's, yeah, I had too much speed and then I got slack. So then I'll always ask someone like, what causes slack? And and the answer is always speed. I'm like, no, 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 not speed. Speed in itself will never cause slack too much speed in the wrong direction or too much speed at a specific moment. Um, you know, in the course I, I, I can buy that one, but but so, and it's exactly like you said, Rossi, it's a loss of direction only. Cause I, like, I, I, you know, when, when I'm trying to like help someone, you know, understand fundamentals, you know, or, or, or unbending principles, it's the only thing that can cause slack is the handle being too close to the pylon period. Right. There, there's, there's no other can you, explanation. Can you, can you, can you go and uh, dive yeah, deeper so, into that? Yeah, Cause so, I, I just, I hit a blank when you did that. Yeah. I think I know what you're talking about, yeah. but I just so, kind of want to hear it from your so, word. And, yeah. And, and, and me like really like embracing this, this, um, I'm not going to say theory, this fact really helped me with my own skiing in that we'll just say, cause the math is easy at 15 off the, the, the handle 60 feet away from the pylon, if the rope's tight. So if you run a line or you do make a move that, that puts the handle 59 or 58 or 57 feet away from the pylon, that's slack. You know, if the handle, and this goes back to you, you know, and okay. you, you love this one. You do a great job of talking about ideal handle path. Well, mm-hmm. at 15 off, the ideal handle path is always 60 feet away from the pylon, no matter how fast you go and no matter how wide you get or how high up on the boat you get. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this only thing that can cause slack is the handle being closer to the pylon than the full length of the rope would allow it to be right 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 so i i think of it i think of it as i'm always trying to be the weight going yeah. away from the ropes thus the rope is always taut or yeah. straight what yeah. you're saying is you're thinking of it in the reverse like the only way you get slack is if the handle or the rope ends up inside of that optimal arc Perfect. is that correct 100 hey, and then and then can you can you tell me common things of how people get to that inside of the ideal, yeah. you know, like what, what causes what you're talking about? Yeah. So, and then if you just go, you know, we're just go unbending truths again. It's, it's exactly the first <laughs> thing you said. It's, it's a loss of direction, you know? So then if we're going to go, okay, then one step further, if you go, okay, you know, most common, um, most common causes of a lot causes, most common causes, good morning, good morning. of a loss of direction or if the, you know, Pulling too long is, is oh. the most common cause, right? 
yeah, I stole my thing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I mean, if anybody's been listening to spray makers, you know that pulling long is the root of almost all problems. Yes. And, you know, I think that there, there's one quick thing to just sidebar into. People are like, well, I, you know, I think people have a hard time uh, understanding that pulling long hurts, but how do you not pull long? Right. I think, I think that's the, that's the stuff that we spent a lot of time in previous episodes telling people, you know, like, so you didn't get enough speed by center. You can't just edge change Mm -hmm. because you're going to go inside the buoy too. Right. Yeah. Is that, is that, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I think our listeners kind of get caught up in that and they go, well, when I don't pull, when I pull to the right spot, I don't have slack, but I don't make the buoy or something like that. Or at least narrow. Yeah. Depending on the line length or or depending on the skill set. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, so pulling ex- long, pulling, pulling long. long though. Let's go back to pulling long. We can. That was a sidebar just to just to chat about. But pulling long, can you just walk us through real quick? We've we've done it in previous episodes, but why does pulling long make you lose direction? Wouldn't it just send you out wider, Trent? Yeah, exactly. So if you like, for me, a lot of this stuff gets is easier to to um, envision or comprehend if if I can view it from overhead. You know, and I've mentioned this before, like my approach to my own skiing and and my approach to my coaching changed dramatically when, you know, way back when, when I was able to watch um, Moomba footage, because there was one of the whatever, was it Channel 7, I think, right? Moomba? Anyway, one of the Channel 7 um, cameras was uh, always on a rooftop, a a rooftop along, you know, of a hotel alongside the river. And and the first time I saw that angle, it changed everything for me. So anyway, if you just, you know, picture what, what it would look like from above, when you're swinging or cutting from the finish of the turn into the wakes, you're, you're, you're even though you have a, a slightly oppositional direction, you're still, you're still moving with the boat. Um, after the center line, if you're still on that cutting edge trying to drive out and you're and you're not letting yourself you know swing up like the like the like the handle has to do there you you, you know it, you're going to separate um mm-hmm. one or you could even if we just just say this even in, in in a simpler sense after the second or after the second wake after the center line after the second wake if you're still cutting trying to build speed the the pressure is going to spike exponentially because you are trying to go away from the boat um, and, and that extra pressure is going to you know, create separation and it's going to tip your whole body to the inside of that, of that, of that radius rapidly. Both of those things are, are going to cause a loss of direction. Right. So maybe so from, is there a, is there a yeah. simpler way? Like maybe I feel No, like I, I think you nailed it. I mean, I was just going to throw it in there. Like, you know, at, if you look at the handle, it's swinging down when it, when it is directly behind the boat between the two wakes you know, right after that moment, it's going to start curving up towards the buoy or in towards the buoy. And when people pull long, they're trying to go away from that arc. They're trying to, they're trying to go like, it's like trying to project yourself earlier than you could be or wider than you could be. And then from, from center line to second wake is a grace period. Okay. In there, you're still okay to be kind of having some pressure there and, and whatever, but the further that handle goes, the more into the buoy it is going to arc or into your turn. And your turn is, is much further ahead of you than you believe it is yeah. when you're behind the boat. So the, the more you miss that mark, the more the pressure, like you just said, your body's going one way 
like if the if the handle's going i don't know i'm 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 kind of drawing it with my hand if the handle's arcing 45 degrees ish out towards the buoy and i'm still 90 degrees to the boat trying yeah. to go out that gap right there the longer you keep that gap going then there, you're going to basically hit this point where so much pressure is built and the boat will not slow down now that we have uh, zero off and speed controls and powerful motors that your body at, at one human power, not one horsepower, is never going to be able to hold that. Yeah. So you're going to get ripped to the end. You know, you're just going to get ripped up out of that pull. So, you know, I just it just it actually just brought a thought to me from a long time ago that I used to tell people, which was only take what you can hold. That's nice. Yes. Right. Like you can't go, uh, you know, like a thousand pounds of pressure behind the boat. If you can only hold on to 400 pounds of it, you're going to get ripped up into the inside at 600 pounds excess. And when you do that, that's where that's immediately right there. You just caused what Trent said in the beginning of the show, where the handle now is not at its full length from the pylon. And that's what we're, we're always shooting for that full length from the pylon. Yep. Yeah. And that, and that, um, um, sorry, I'll, I'll return to that. I'm, I was going to throw, I was going to throw one more dart. Like, oh, go for it. To try to make this, you know, something's going to resonate with someone and, and, and other things won't like appreciating the fact that, that the handle being attached to the pylon is going to go down the lake. It, I mean, the boat's going down the lake. The boat's going 34.2 or 36 or or 26 miles an hour, whatever it's doing. That that handle has to go down the lake. So by pulling long, you're essentially trying to change, you know, the, the path of the handle. And, and, and it, it it has to keep going down the lake. So again, cutting from cutting from the outside, like from the finish of the turn into the wake, it's like we, we're we're glad to accept our, our 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 lateral travel, our down lake, down the water travel. But as we come off the 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 second wake, in order to preserve that 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 path we're on, we you've got to come off that edge and and start allowing your ski to swing, you know, first find flat and then swing to the inside, so you can accept that again, accept that handle path. There's only one ideal path for that handle to be on, and 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 it's you know again if you pictured this this um semicircular path if for a moment you know you you let the the pylon be stationary and and you just you know with your mind like what what's the path that that handle can take and and it's 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 it's, it's appreciating that 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 becomes really it's really um it, for me it was like really liberating in that in, in that it stopped me from trying to do more than was actually possible which is which is what i think most skiers end up doing you know and and again it comes it comes about probably rather organically in that you know like you said right you know you said 5 minutes ago Rossi if you don't create enough angle initially and enough speed to the center line that 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 you that you have enough speed to swing up ahead of the 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 you know we'll say you know ahead of the pylon to get to get your width then then yeah you're compensating and 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 I like how you said that there is a bit of a grace period a bit of a grace zone where you can pull past the center line without paying too much of a price but every inch past the center you're paying some small price and eventually a huge price is going to end up in separation and slack. Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. You know, one of the things that, like, you know, when I've been watching these water ski broadcasting company uh, productions, you know, of all Which these tour stops, it's been amazing. Yeah. The, you know, and watching the tour stops um, or whatever, I guess that's what I just always call them. Um, but watching these stops, you know, if you take a look at the top, 
you know, five, at least the top five guys, the guys that are consistently running big buoy counts, you're not seeing those guys. Those guys are riding that arc we're talking about Ooh, big time. Yes. I mean, it is not even close in the past. Like if you go back 20, 30 years, mm-hmm. maybe even less than that, you know, there was a lot of ability to, there was a lot of guys that were running a lot of buoys that were turning into slack and hammering and um, getting it done better than others were getting it done. And then if you watch, I mean, in my mind, what really happened, I think zero off really changed that game uh, almost immediately. Yes. And because then there is no, you know, the cruise control systems before that were based on RPM. And so, you know, it had a more organic up and down, fast and slow speed to it. Zero off came in and just said, it's going to be constant and you guys yeah. are going to get used to it. And yep. so, so what you're really seeing right now is an evolution from, of skiing though. I don't think it's just the speed control. I also think that it's the, it's all these things that we've been, we've been talking about for so long and, and what, you know, our, our podcast is based off of is, you know, trying to become more efficient skiers. And so when you watch these guys, I mean, it's, it's incredible. I mean, it does not surprise me that Brian Detrick went out and ran uh, 41 last weekend yeah, or two exactly. weekends ago or whatever, you know, yeah. like, like it doesn't surprise me. I watched him ski, you know, in his previous couple of events and you could see he was riding that tightrope line and every once in a while he'd make an error and, you know, you, you get to a two or three round record where you have the great drivers, great site, great everything. And you can just settle into your skiing. And that's, that's, you know, that's what happens. Um, and, have you ever and, skied there? Have you ever skied a short line? I actually, Where? you know, what's crazy. I'd never have been, yeah. I've never had the opportunity to ski there. I took one set there. Um, maybe five years ago, it was right before the Cali pro and I was there a day early and, and, um, I had known Brian Detrick for a while and, and actually he pulled me at, that's his home site. And, um, just an aside, but it's incredible. It's one, it's one of those rare lakes where, where you're like, mm, I think I probably would run my best score ever here. You know, there's two or three I can think of that come to mind, but every once in a while, you know, you, you find a place that you're like, this, this, this lake is, is maybe the, the best one on the planet. Um, hey, that's but, nice. That's nice. But you know, like, <laughs> just, just quickly, like go watch some Freddie winter videos. Like, is that yeah. guy pulling like a madman? No, he leans only as much as he needs to lean. Actually, if you watch him at 39 and 40, 39, especially, I feel like he's very upright. He's just taking what he needs. Could he go harder? Much harder. He could, but you know what? It doesn't lead to a better line. You know, you've got to be able to take what you can hold. And obviously the goal really is just build enough speed into the center that will project you out on a tight line out to the buoy. You know, yeah. I mean, it's really that's it's I don't think it's, it's much more difficult than that. Yeah. And it's interesting you said that. And like we're, we're going to we're going to get into the meat of this um, of this slack issue. But just in keeping with what you just said, said there was a tournament earlier this year. I, I think it might have been the one at Lake 38. And, and it was a comment that Will Asher had made. He was he had already he was already into the finals. Um, and he just, you know, he skied the, the 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 next qualifying round, even though he didn't need to. And he just had made the comment that you know, he was already in. So he just, he wanted to see with how little, um, energy or how little excess energy or how little, you know, extra effort, how easy he could go and, and, and run a tight line 39. And it was just, it was, um, it, it was a, it, it was a comment that stuck with me because it, it, it definitely illustrates the evolution of his own skiing where, you know, where, where 10 years ago, that comment wouldn't, wouldn't, probably wouldn't have come out of his mouth, you know? Um, 
and and you're right. Like when you pour over some of these, you know, some of these guys and girls who you know post on their accounts or or at some of these tournaments that are being broadcasted, um, a lot can be learned from their. You know, I don't want to say their opening pass because then you can just easily say, "Well, it's easy for them." But but look at their, you know, like like a, a Will or a Freddie Winner. You know, look at their or Brian Detrick. Look at their thirty fives and thirty eights. I mean, that's they're they're trying to establish. Even though those passes are incredibly difficult, they're trying to establish this perfect line. And and you're, you're right, you are not going to see those guys even pull to the second wake on those passes where where where, where nothing. There's very few errors to cause them to have to try and make up ground in, a, in an inopportune way or in less than ideal manner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, well, so back to slack, right? Okay, here's our slack. guy. <clears throat> so here's where you see it. And this is where it pops up the most is, is when someone advance advances to their hardest pass. Um, we'll just say, for example, you know, I have a guy that, you know, runs 28 and he's running 28 so clean, that, you know, and everything's nice, but then, and with forewarning, he'll be like, okay, well let's shorten. And, I get a ton of slack at one and I can't get out of it, you know? Yep. So I, I think that's the one that's going to resonate the cleanest with people. So, you know, you get to that, that pass, you know, whether it's, you're going from 30 miles an hour to 32 miles an hour or 28 off to 32 off. And all of a sudden what was so simple with only a few extra feet of rope is suddenly just seems impossible. So what, where do you start with that? There's, there's our guy or girl that, you know, that their hardest pass, nothing but slack at one and, and, and seemingly no opportunity to, 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 to get out of the turn and even get into the pass. Where, where do you, what's the most common cause or what's a, what's your best strategy to, to help helping them find It's all in your mind, man. It's all in your mind. Cool. So, so the way, the way that I look at it, um, and, and for all of my former students slash students slash friends that have skied with me uh, in the past, they'll they'll probably have experienced this. My favorite thing to do was to lull a person to sleep doing the pass that they were comfortable. Like you were just saying, the 28 off guy, I'd have them do it 28, 28, 28, 28. And we're just fine tuning. We're fine tuning. And when I thought that that person was doing the right techniques that I wanted to, and I knew they were going to be successful at the next pass, I would secretly shorten the rope while talking to them, keep them distracted. They'd have no idea I shortened the rope. I go, okay, we're going to run this, this 28, nice and easy, nothing different than the last one. And guess what would happen? Exactly that. They go out and they run, run the pass. It's a little bit choppier than it was the pass before. A lot of times they'll sit down at the end of the lake and they'll go, man, I just, it wasn't quite as good, but I feel like I did everything I was supposed to be doing. And I'd go, Oh, Hey, check this out. And they'd be like, no way. I just ran 32 off. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, that's how, that's how, that, that's how it is. So for, for instance, for me, uh, Steve Schnitzer taught me that one a long time ago when I was, when I started working for him, I was, you know, mid 38 off guy type thing. I could run 38 on a great day, but like it wasn't, it wasn't very often at that point. And, um, you know, one of the things that we got to that, that helped me a lot was when I was pulling out for, for my gates, uh, at, at 38 off, I would be in my glide and I would be saying it's 32, it's 32, it's 32, it's 32. Not because I needed to do anything differently. It was just that I didn't need to do anything differently than I was doing on my first pass. Mm -hmm. So what I, so, okay. So now, now that you've heard all that, that mumbo jumbo, let's get back to the question that you asked me is, 
make be consistent in your approach approach your first yeah. pass and your last pass the same yes man um, that is something like interject that's something i i like i preach 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 don't run your opener like it's your opener run your opener like it's your fourth pass 100% like it like and and, and that doesn't mean you know ski it like an animal but what it really no. means is on your in your on your earlier passes you're technically sound. That's why you're, you're much more sound for that pass. Thus you should be able to build, you know, better or more speed than, than you need. And so that's why you see guys like myself or you or Freddie Winter or Brian Dedrick or whoever we're talking about, Will Asher, you know, you watch those, fir those first passes, they create so much speed into the center line. Yeah. They're riding what, what everyone would call that high, tight, tight rope line that just looks so effortless. And, and when you see it, you know, that that's right. I mean, there's just nothing that you can, you can unsee about it. You know what I mean? So <laughs> when we get to the, the problem right. that I find when we get to our, our, the past that we tend to fail at mm -hmm. is that we think that it takes more, yep. it takes more. And that is, it takes more speed but you know what? That's not more in the form of trying harder, pulling harder, more lean, more force, more. No, no. It's doing the same thing you've been doing better or that more is, efficiently. Yes. I think of it like this, like, you know, as, and, and we are going to tie this back to Slack. I, if it feels like we're getting too far away from it, but it's all, it's all related. It is about it. As, as the line gets shorter, I just think of it like this. Okay. I just have simply less space to create the same amount of speed. You know, because, you know, appreciate the fact that as the line gets shorter, that path that you're going to take from, we'll just say perpendicular to the pylon to the first wake, that's a shorter path. It's a shorter swing. So, you know, I, you know, you shorten from 22 off to 28 off. You don't need, excuse me, more pressure. You don't need more load, but you need to create, given that you're assuming that you're running the proper line at, at, at your easier passes, you've got to build the same amount of speed and less amount of space. So it, it's just, it's exactly that. It's just being a little bit truer in your movements, a little bit cleaner in your body position. Um, you know, it's finishing the turn in a position ready to accelerate. Um, you know, if, if, if again, we're going to eliminate this slack by, by ensuring we don't have to pull excessively long, it's, it's creating more speed into the first wake. And that's just, that's, that's angle and momentum more so than it is bearing down and cutting as hard as you can. Cause I think when we get to our hardest pass, and I know we're all guilty of this, um, that we, we, we tend to get a little bit misguided in our efforts. We try and, we try and cut harder, load harder at the expense of finishing the turn and creating that angle and that forward momentum, which translates into true acceleration. So, you know, if we, let's go to that, that person then, you know, you shorten to 28 off and, and you know, what's coming, you know, you're fully expecting slack at ball one. Let's um, come up with a strategy um, to try to mitigate that. So, so no. for me, like the first one is going to be, it's going to be gate turn in, right? Yep. You know, I, I think, I think as the line gets shorter, we get in a hurry to try and find that load that we know is, 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 you know, that we, we, we connect it with, with, with um, productivity, right? You know, while I'm under load, I'm swinging, I'm creating speed. But if, if we're not patient enough through the turn phase of the gate turn in, to, to create the the angle that's going to give us the you know the truly the speed we need to 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 not pull past the second wake, um, we end up just 
cutting hard, cutting long, separating, tipping to the inside and, and, and getting slack. So step number one, then um, ensure that that at your hardest pass at this whatever pass where this slack seems to pop up at one ball make sure like try and mirror that turn in that you've been doing on your previous passes a hundred percent gate i mean go back and listen to spray makers episodes on gates because if you start on the right line it's almost assured you won't have slack so i love where you started there because gate turn in huge uh, to add to your gate turn in thing, you know, the, the concept that I've been thinking about a lot lately is being light on my feet, you know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. like when it's time to turn in for your gates, it is not apply pressure to my feet. Yes. Never like stop pushing, stop pushing and manipulating the handle and pushing on your ski and trying to create. It's really about what you said. It's like falling in the right forward momentum, falling where you want to go, falling into your into your lean, not this heavy foot, heavy pressure, heavy line type of skiing. So, and if you think about it, on your easier passes, I bet you're lighter than you are on your heavy, you know, on your last passes where you, you get yeah. heavy. Like, like if I go if I go and, and look at my my best pass is usually 38 off. That's that's my line that I can, 32 and 38 off are my two favorite lines. I can run really nice tightrope lines on there. Now, uh, you know, where I create space, the rope's tight, I may I can arc the turn I like, uh, you know, that the line can stay, stay consistently tight. When I get to 41 recently, you know, the thing that gets me the most is I can feel a lot of load in my feet. I'm pushing on my feet as I'm coming into the wakes, into the gates. And then I, you know, I feel the pressure and I'm like, all right, now I need to release it and stand up. And then I get pulled to the inside. And now I can feel myself running straight at one with no space at all. Yeah. And I'm still going, I'm still going out when I'm getting to buoy one. Yeah. And I'm going like, well, this line here is not going to work. I mean, this is going to be, this is going to be a problem here. And so what, how, you know, I think that's the typical, that's the typical problem result that people are feeling is that you get pulled up out of your edge change. And now instead of arcing out to the buoy where you're coming up over the top of your ski and you have time to set up that turn and now you're extended all the way away from the handle and you're stepping into your turn. Now you're still holding on and just trying to get around the buoy, let alone setting it up. So that's why Trent and I talk so much about back up all the way to the other side of the course, you know, like you got to back up from that point to really fix it. But if you need, maybe we should talk a little bit about like, what's the, not the quick fix, but like how, when, when that happens to you, Trent, what's your best way out of that other than obviously stopping and and trying to do a better gate? Yeah. So you mean like, like, excuse me. So if you've pulled slightly longer than ideal and, and you are, you're coming into one, you're coming into one on, on a, on that line that, you know, you're going to get slack. You're like, Oh gosh, here we go. What am I going to do now? How do I, how do I fix this? Yeah. And and or manage it. I think it's a better one. Yes. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, you're going to kill me if I say, well, just make your gate better. So, yeah. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) so think about what it really is. And, and that scenario you just painted, that's the scenario where, where, where the skier says I was way too fast at one ball and they're not wrong. But the reason why they were way too fast is, is think of it like, it's really simple. If you think of, you know, the shortest distance from A to B is a straight line, right? So 
the straighter that line is up the second wake, the faster you're going to be going when you get to the buoy. You know, one and two, you're going to be, because you haven't swung up beside the boat as high, you're also going to be narrower on the course. But, but so what happens when you pull along and you separate a little bit is, is, is that, that trajectory just flattens out a little bit. So you're going to be running a straighter line. Um, if you still do have enough arc or enough upward swing that you're going to be, you know, wide enough to get around the buoys, I think really appreciating what's happening can help you get out of those scenarios. So the, 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 the swing path is going to be a little bit flatter. It's going to be going a little bit more down course. You're still going to hit your, you know, you're still going to hit your apex, but it's, it's just not going to happen in relation to the buoy where you're accustomed to it. So I think, you know, the mistake people make is, you know, they, as their tip approach, you know, starts approaching the, the turn ball, they start trying to force that turn, even though they're still going faster than the boat. You know, and if you, again, if you just think about, you know, what, what really needs to happen, like, so when you, when you hit the center line, we'll just say arbitrarily, you're going boat speed X plus 15, we'll just, you know, and, and I don't know those numbers, mm-hmm. but you're going 50 mile an hour faster than the boat was like. So when you stop pulling because you're going faster than the boat, that's when you're going to swing up beside it. You, you're literally outrunning the boat before you can really start arcing back in th- that, that, that disparity needs to have reversed in that, that the boat needs to start going slightly faster than you. So, you know, as you're coming in, the boat needs to be going away enough to, 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 so you have that support of, of the swing. But what, but when you, when you're swinging up and you're already trying to come back in while you're going faster than the boat, like you're just, you're turning into nothing. You're creating slack that wasn't there. Um, so I guess back to your question, you've got to be patient. You've got to let yourself come past the buoy and you've got to, you've got to really, that's when I, I talk about skiing the boat, you've got to ski your relationship with the boat. Um, so if you try and force that turn to the inside while you're still swinging up, you're going to fall because there's, you're not going to have any support to, to, to get out of that turn. And, um, and just, just, just to jump in there and in that same zone, you're going to turn into slack, even if you hold on to it. The only way when you're if like, when you're, when you do that and you get to the buoy and you're going, you know, let's say too fast to turn or whatever, you turn into that slack. The only way when you're turning into that slack, you're causing a massive skid, a massive yeah. loss of speed. Yes. You know, and, and so you're, you're jamming that. And then what happens is you crash down on the line. That's the slack hit in quotations, right? Like mm-hmm. the hit that you take, that hit takes a toll on your body, physically depleting you. Like if you had a battery, you're like, you went just down those, <laughs> those little bits, unless you're, yeah. you know, unless you're Chris point from the eighties or something like that, where you've got like just the, the biggest shoulders ever. But, um, you know, I think when you take that massive loss of speed to get the rope to come tight and that hit, you're not in a position to accelerate again. So all no. you're doing is perpetuating that same cycle over yes, and over and over again. Yep. And you're always going to be running right at the buoy, slamming the turn and going. And so, you know, this is, this is, this is the whole game is to get out of this. So, you know, same thing. Like, I think just like you do, like when I'm coming and I get, and if I feel myself get ripped up into the inside is what I call it. Like when I mm-hmm. pull too long and I pulled with way too much load and my brain, you know, overrided, you know, or my, my desire to, to run the pass or get early or whatever that dang thing is that I need to let go of. When I do that and I get ripped to the inside, now what I feel like is I have no support from the line. I'm running straight at the buoy, okay? So 
if I had thought about it, like you said before, take it, take an aerial view, right? Look, look at it from above, from where your hand comes off out to the apex, that shape of that, of that line probably needs to be the shape on the backside of the buoy too, in order to catch it at the right, at the right line so that you can finish the turn and hook up. So basically the layman's term of this is the more you get ripped up into the inside or straight line at the buoy, the more, like you just said, the more patience you're going to have to have. So what am I doing there? I keep thinking about skiing out, skiing out, standing up, standing up, standing up until I can feel like I have something in the rope. And then mm -hmm. I'm going to make my turn. I'm going to keep, and I'm, I'm not going to perpetuate that, that motion. The common thing to do when you're, if you're coming in on the slack line, that straight line at the buoy, how do you, how do you get your ski to do the rapid skid? Well, you're going to probably drop your inside shoulder down and back. Yep. You're going to shove your back foot, pushing the ski more out in front of you and towards the boat. And then that arm, that inside shoulder going backwards, you know what that is? That's looking for where the line comes tight. That's why you see that rotation at the finish of the turn. If you look at those top 10 guys or whatever it is and, 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 and women out there on the, on the tour, you're not going to see that over rotation at the finish of the buoy. You're going to see them just basically just kind of finishing the turn with really quiet upper body and catching the load and accelerating into the wake. So the more that you manipulate, the less you're going to be able to accelerate. So, I mean, I think that's, uh, it sounds good. That, that sounded really good, but, you know. <laughs> but, but it, uh, it is though. And it's like, it, and I think like the sooner you start thinking of your skiing in these terms, like the sooner you start developing this, this heightened spatial awareness, like, you know, you start recognizing your speed and, and, and you start, you know, you start calculating where you are, when is the rope going to be tight? You know, at what rate is the boat going to be moving away from me? You know, and I, I think too many skiers, they don't ski the boat. They don't. They don't recognize where they are in relation to the pylon, because if, and again, if you just watch this like beautiful pass from overhead, all that's happening is is there's like just this this trade off between who's going faster at what time. You know, the boat's going faster at the finish of the turn, all the way to the center line, and then through that swing, you're out racing the boat, right? And then you're you're trying to keep going out, keeping that rope tight, going out as high as your speed will allow until it bleeds off enough for the boat to be start creeping ahead of you and then the turn happens and and it's i think like appreciating that rhythm and and honing this this sense of spatial awareness and again this is like more big picture big project sort of stuff but it, it does really become a, a, a you know a second or, or, or like a like a like an internal sense that you know what's happening and 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 you you very rarely get caught off guard when when you when you can appreciate you know your the boat's role or your role in relation to the you know in relation to the boat. Um, okay, so not pulling long is going to help you with slack. Um, mm -hmm. And again, if we can kind of agree that you know while there's this one ideal line, which would be a which would be a center of the wake's edge change, like you said, there is a grace zone. So. Given, you know, that the majority of people are going to have to pull at least the second wake, maybe a hair longer then now what's, what's just like a nice nuts and bolts key to help control slack, given that you, you know, you had to pull just past the second wave. I mean, I think for me, it's, it's just like what we just talked about is when I'm, when I'm in my pole, yep. I am thinking about being light on my feet and just leaning 
basically like, you know, just taking what I can handle, even mm -hmm. if I am going to go a little bit long, yeah. I am not going to be pushing my legs against the boat and trying to take that handle and pull the boat backwards. Like that's the kind of stuff that I'm, that we need to get away from. Right. Yeah. Like you want to, you want to be light on your feet and just take what you can behind the boat. And then even if I go a little bit longer, I'm going to focus on tightening my grip on the handle as I, as the boat pulls me up and out of my lean. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to feel that energy and I don't want to release that energy. I want to hold on to that energy yeah. while it pulls me up and out of my lean. Because like, for me, it's like all the work you do from the buoy to the wake, that's creating energy. And we want to hold on to that energy. Yep. And that energy is yep. what's going to pull us up and out of our lean and also keep us accelerating up in front of the boat so that we can get to that place that we need to get to before we release that outside hand and extend even further out away from the boat. And I yep. think that that's, that's the key that people tend to miss is that they go from, from leaning, leaning and loading probably too much, getting pulled up and then giving it all to the boat, giving you know, it all to the boat. Yep. and, and the yep. moment you give it to the boat, now you're pulled to the inside edge. And so if you're on your inside turning edge without the rope, you have no support. You're going to be going straight. You're going to be going dead straight with no ability to do anything. You're just basically hovering there and waiting to make that crazy move. So does that make sense? Like, I mean, no, I, I feel no, like I'm you set you. me up. I feel like you set me up perfect for that one. Yeah, no, that's, that's I'm exactly sure that's it. where you it's, wanted me to go. Yeah. And then it goes right back to what you're saying. Like, just hold what you have, you know? So if, if you it, it, like, and this is again, like, this is, I love the way you said that. If you, if you overwork your position coming into the wakes, you're not going to hold it leaving the wakes. So you, you know, you want to come in with, with, the, with the intensity and the load and the energy that you can come off the second wake and, and, and rise up into that, into that swing or into that edge change without without anything moving from your waist to your shoulders, you know, yep. your hip handle relationship, or I like to think of it as, as your core handle relationship. That's not changing. It's not separating. It's not coming in. You're just riding it, keeping your spine as straight as it was off the wakes, as it was coming into the wakes. It's just, it's just, it's just managing that, that body position. And, and like you said, being light on your feet and, 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 and creating um, sustainable energy, maintainable energy is maybe, maybe more accurate um, into the wakes is going to allow you to swing off the wakes without, without losing it. You know, cause again, it's, it's, you know, the more ideal your line is, the better and the easier all this is, but you know, you need some wiggle room, you know, to, to be able to, to be able to get away with pulling a little bit long. And I think that's the best strategy, just making sure that you're not cutting so hard that when you leave the second wake, it's more than, than you can maintain in terms of your body's alignment, your structure, your posture, all those things. I mean, you do a wonderful job of that. I really like, watching you ski because you're very efficient from lean to turn and you, it, it looks like, well, I mean, don't take this the wrong way, but it looks like yeah. you're doing as little as you need to do. That is Yeah. And that is, that is my approach. Yes. 100%. Like, like I, you know, I often think of like, as I'm coming out of, out of the turn, I'm, and I'm, and everything's swinging through, I'm actually like coming up to try and to try and actually come out of some of that lean, you know, I, I, again, like you said, I want just enough lean that I can hold the direction I have. It just makes your job off the wakes so much easier. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, I think, I think, um, you know, when you watch Pagosi ski, like Robert is, I mean, he's a phenomenal skier, but when you're going that hard, it's very hard to be 
make perfect turns all the time. Yeah. So he's he is he is a highly skilled, highly technical skier. But I think if you're if you're looking at the where you want to go with how hard you need to ski, I don't think that that's necessarily as aggressive as we need to go. Uh, as much as I love watching that guy ski. Yeah, you know, me too. Like, yeah, yeah. You want to? You, that's exactly right. I mean, he's one of the best skiers on the planet. Um, you know, but his approach is isn't going to be the approach uh, most easily replicable by an average human being. <laughs> right, right, right. So try not to do that. You know, you know who I've seen a ton of, um, actually a ton of progress from this summer is uh, Whitney McClintock. Yeah. If you look at, if you look at her, her one, three, five turn, her onside turn, she used to do a lot of turning into slack and um and managing it and being able to then go and crush her offside two four side turn um but this summer i'm seeing a really big progression in how she's approaching one three five coming in and her rope management understanding of where she is in the turn where that tightrope's going to be and and falling into it so yep. i got a, i got a question for you yeah if you know you're going to get slack what do you do Stay over my feet. Stay over your feet. I want to stay over my feet and I want to keep moving, meaning I want that momentum. So like, you know, the the turn is is created by moving your your center of mass and getting some momentum, you know, getting some momentum moving to the inside. So what I don't want to do is rock back, put on the brakes and just wait for it because the slower I'm going when the rope gets tight, the harder it's going to hit me, you know? Mm, So if whatever, yeah, if I can just keep moving under my own speed and, and, stay over my feet, keep my weight moving through the turn. You know, obviously I don't have support of the rope, but you know, when you're free of the boat beside it, you, you know, you, while you have tension on the rope for, for, you know, it's kind of giving you information and helping with balance a little bit, you you are still free of the boat. So, but yes, big thing. I want to keep moving, um, stay over my feet. So when, as that line does come tight, my alignment is as good as it would have been had I not had to manage the slack. You like it. I like it. For me, I think, I think, um, I, I think about trying to just ski outward or think about standing yeah. tall, standing tall. I see so many people get ripped to the inside and then stay in a squatted position, which means yeah, when you're yeah, squatted, yeah. you're on the back of your ski. And so you have less ski touching the water. You're going to have less friction against the water. You're going to slow down less by being like that. So I think people are just, they're already knowing they're going to take a hit. And so they're, it's, it's a safety feeling, but it's actually the opposite of what's going to happen. You're setting yourself up worse. So I think about, I think about that. I know if I get ripped to the inside, I know instantly right then in my mind, the little trigger goes off and says, you're going to have to take your turn down course further than you want. So instantly, right at the moment, I know how hard I got ripped in. If I got ripped in just a little bit, like, you know, you told me like, oh, do you, you had to pull a little longer than you wanted to. Then instantly, I already know I just shifted my turn five feet down course. If I got crazy ripped in and now I'm flying at the buoy, I'm going to shift that thing 10, 15 feet down course. I already know that because I cannot turn like, like, like you said, I don't want to turn into dead slack. That's the worst thing. And it hurts a lot and it's, it's really not good for your back. It's not good for your body. So for me, I instantly in my mind shift down course. I can see that new spot. Like I'm, I'm like, instead of looking at the buoy, I see the buoy coming, but I also see 10 or 15 feet beyond it is where I'm actually shooting to make my turn. And then as I'm approaching that, I'm thinking, stand tall, stand tall, stand tall. And and trying to get away from that handle as far as I can to hopefully find where it's going to come tight. 
And if there isn't tight there, then my move is not to rock back. My move at that point is to maybe pull the handle to my chest. Maybe. Mm-hmm, I mean, like, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not what I want people. I mean, this is not, this is, I'm giving you like the, no, the this super is great. Dance. No, this is, yes. How do I get out of this situation, please? I'm <laughs> giving you this, how to get out, but don't base your skiing on this. But <laughs> you know, so I took it down course as far as I could. Now I, I'm hitting that point where I know like I can't wait much longer or I will not make the next buoy. So the next thing I do is keep my shoulders level, keep my upper body facing the the most it's going to rotate in is to face the pylon and then i'm going to pull the handle to my chest like I, yeah it's, mm-hmm. it's like wally style i'm going to pull the handle to my chest you know what i'm doing right there i'm not rotating and i'm not necessarily rocking back i'm right over my feet and i'm pulling the handle in to find out where it's tight and the yeah. moment i can feel tightness then then i know that that's where i'm tight and then i just hesitate for a second allow my arms to start to come out and then to fall into my cutting position right as that line comes tight so i'm not falling against a brick wall i'm using my arms as a shock absorber i'm pulling the i'm bringing the handle to my chest oh there's it's tight then i'm gonna ease out ease out and i'm out of here gone and then uh, then from that that moment right and then from that moment in my mind, I'm, I'm down course and I'm inside of my optimal accelerating spot, right? I'm closer to the wakes than I want to be. And then, but I'm in a, but I'm in a position to, to accelerate. So from that moment, I, in my mind, I have from there to the first wake to generate speed. If that's 25 feet, then I'm going to have to probably manipulate it a little bit more and add a little extra, but I have to be done by the first wake. Or I'm going to perpetuate this problem and just keep doing the same thing all the way down the course. Yeah. So there's my rant on it. And that's what I, that, that, that's just my little key to get out of slack is don't drop that's the great. shoulder. I hadn't even, don't fall yeah, on it. Good. Go. And that's great. I didn't even consider that. Like, like, you know, because I think in my mind, it's just more of an instinctive move, but you're right. Like you need to be presented with a nexus strategy. And that one was great. And I think, um, I love how you said, like you find your new mark when you know you're 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 getting swung down into the buoy. Don't don't try and backside the ball if you're still going faster than the boat. Pick your head up, find your new mark, and and just start feeling your way through that turn again. 